Somewhere out there, there's a man on a park bench eating his 500th PB&J. He has no idea Papa John's has new papadillas that are way better than a boring sandwich. With Papa John's best meats, cheeses, and veggies hand-folded into a crispy flatbread crust. Someone better tell that man. Get a new papadilla in one of four flavors for just six bucks. Better ingredients, better pizza, better than a sandwich. Papa John's. Not valid with discounts, fees, and taxes. Extra prices may vary. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast continues to gain recognition as a great resource for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals. From Inc.com to MSNBC's Your Business to a whole host of other sites, Accelerate Your Business Growth is enjoying inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to. This is due in large part to the wonderful guests who I have had the honor of speaking with over the years. These are folks with expertise in um, specific areas of business, and they give of their time and their talent to share that expertise with all of you so that you can do better things in your business. Today is no different. My guest today is Lee Sauls. Lee is a leading sales management strategist and CEO of Sales Architect. A recognized expert in sales differentiation, he works with senior executives and business owners across all industries, helping their salespeople win more deals at the prices they want. In addition to Sales Architects, Lee created the Revenue Accelerator, a sales onboarding and enablement technology firm that structures and automates the onboarding experience for salespeople. His entrepreneurial background gives him a unique insight into the challenges executives face during growth phases. Lee is also an award-winning author of several books, including Higher Right, Higher Profits, and his newest book, Sales Differentiation. Thanks so much for joining me today, Lee. Diane, always a pleasure. It's been a while. It has. It has been quite a while, but I'm glad we're having the opportunity to have this conversation. Absolutely. You know, Diane, I, I know this is your show and your interview, but can I ask you a question before we get started? Sure. 
how many expert guests would you guess that you've had on your show since you launched? Uh, close to 300. Wow, big number. Yeah. So your listeners are probably wondering why Lee Sauls is on the show. <laughs> so if it's okay no. with you, well, if it's okay with you, I'll tell them. Okay, do I'm that. I'm the best sales consultant in the world. Aha. That's why you have me on the show, the best. Best sales <laughs> consultant in the world. So what do you think your listeners think of me now? <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Let's think about that for a minute. <laughs> well, they're probably saying, what an arrogant jerk, Diane. What did you do? <laughs> now, if you're it. thinking that about me, here's my question for you. Why do you think your prospects feel any differently about you than you feel about me at this moment? When you come marching in saying your company, your products and services are the best. They don't, oh. they don't, they feel the same way about you yeah. that you feel about me at this moment. That is so true. Well, if you think about what, why do salespeople even use that word best? And there's two reasons to build relationships. Well, based on what I just described, we failed with that. Yeah. And the other is to differentiate themselves from the competition. But how many salespeople come walking into a prospect and say, you know, our product is so-so, our service is pretty good, and our technology is eh. How many would you like to buy? Right? No one does that. No. Every salesperson comes in preaching that what they have to sell is the best, which means we've also failed in that objective to differentiate ourselves because we sound like everybody else. Oh, it is, that is so true. It's so true. And don't they all say, when, when, when someone says to them, so what differentiates you? Don't they all say, we have great customer service? Right. As if someone's coming in saying, oh, yeah, our customer service is awful. Yeah. <laughs> now, I have found there is one person on the entire planet that I found that can use the word best. I can say best and have it be meaningful. You know who that Ooh. is, Diane? No. It's your client. Ah. When your client says that about you, it's meaningful. Because this is someone that's had great experiences with you, and they have credibility that salespeople do not. So it's the same word, but when we say it in sales, it's meaningless. When others say it about us, it's tremendously meaningful. That's what makes references so important. Oh. That makes a lot of sense when you say it that way. So that's just one of the concepts that's in the book that you mentioned in the introduction, sales differentiation, which is position meaningful differentiation so buyers perceive your solution is best without you ever saying the word. That's powerful. Well, it is. But, okay. So, Diane, so, has this been a different start Compared yeah. to <laughs> I have to say, yeah. It is. yeah. <laughs> well, that's the goal. Yeah. We got to be different. Sure. I know. Exactly. Right. Exactly. That's what the whole subject is about. Okay. So seriously. So, so I get the whole, you know, reference thing, but first you have to get the clients in yes. order for them to be able to, right. G give you references. So how really does a salesperson go about differentiating their, their business or themselves or, you know, their product or service without 
uh, and, and make it work, let me say it that way, and have it really be something that's meaningful. Yeah, so when, when you think of this whole idea of sales differentiation, it's a philosophy that I've developed over 30 years working with companies in several different industries, companies of all sizes, ones that sold products, services, technology, B2B, B2C, government, doesn't matter what you sell, there's always a conversation about price. And prospects are trying to justify the price that you put in front of them relative to what they're getting. And so that's when the game begins. Did the salesperson demonstrate enough value to support the price that's been placed on what they sell? And a lot of salespeople struggle with that and they're left with no choice other than drop the price to win the deal. Yeah. So right. the core objective of sales differentiation is to help salespeople win more deals at the prices they want. And there's, there's two parts to sales differentiation. There's sales differentiation around what you sell and sales differentiation around how you sell. So okay. when we talk about what you sell, I find a lot of salespeople and even executives struggle with those dif that differentiated value. They see it internally in their company. They see it. It's crystal clear to them, but they're ineffective at helping someone on the other side of the desk see what they see, to be as passionate as they are. And if you can't build that passion, you might as well not have a differentiator because it's going to come down to price anyway. Yeah. The other side of the equation is sales differentiation around how you sell. Every interaction between seller and buyer provides opportunities to deliver meaningful value and do something different than what the competition is doing that a prospect would appreciate. Every touch point between seller and buyer provides you with that opportunity. Okay. Let's take the first one. This is fascinating to me. Let's, let's take the, the first point. H how does someone go about, because you're saying they don't know how to articulate it in a way that other people can see it. So how should they be articulating it? Well, so I'll, I'll tell you a story. <clears throat> this is around sales differentiation of what you sell. I live in Minneapolis, and we are getting into our cold season, as if there's really a hot season. Actually, there is. It does get <laughs> in the upper 90s here in the summer, both right. weeks of it. Um, but we're already down into the teens as a high for today, and it's all downhill from here. <clears throat> and I have two large dogs that I adopted a number of years ago, and we have a nice fenced-in yard. And so when they need to go do their thing, I send them in the backyard to go do it. And from November to March, I don't pick it up, Diane. I just leave it in the backyard. Yeah. yeah. And there's a company that I've used for a number of years that does what they call a spring cleanup. <laughs> they come and they pick up the poop that's, that's been left right. over these, these several months. And I always appreciated this service because – you know, you don't have to bend over and injure your back. And you, I mean, it's nasty. I mean, you, you don't want to do that. But there was right. always one part of the service that I didn't like. Yeah. They pick it all up and they'd leave giant bags of poop on the side of the house left for me to then lift, put in my garbage can and discard. Oh. Well, this year, when I called the schedule service, they were a little slow to respond. 
and I got an email from one of their competitors. Who would have thought dog poo is a competitive industry, <laughs> right? Same price for the service. So I said, okay, we'll try someone new this year. So the guy comes out, does that whole pickup, and he's leaving. I said, well, what are you doing? He goes, what do you mean, what am I doing? I'm done, I'm leaving. I said, yes, but you, you had the poop with you. He goes, well, of course, that's what we do. We take it with us. Oh, my gosh, Diane, he was taking it with him. It made my week. It made wow. my week. Yeah. So that afternoon, I get a call from the owner of the company, a small business, wants to do a customer service call. So we had a nice conversation, and I said, do you compete with this other company? He says, yeah, we do. I said, do you know what your biggest differentiator is compared to them? He says, no, I don't, I don't know. I said, oh, my gosh, you take the poop. Yeah. And he says, oh, yeah, I, I knew that. I said, well, you've got to be talking about that. Your salespeople need to be talking about that because most people would expect that to be an industry standard. Right. So you could ask a question as you're, as you're selling your services to say something like, what is your expectation once we perform our service relative to discarding what we picked up? Most people would expect you to say, well, I expect you to do that. But you know your competitor doesn't. So that gives you an opportunity to differentiate yourself. So in this case, if you remember at the beginning of the story, I said that his price was the same. Yeah. Had they told me that they take the poop, I would have been willing to pay more. Now, I didn't tell him that in the phone conversation. No, <laughs> but he didn't have to match their price if he truly differentiated his offering in a way that I would see it. Right. But, but he didn't see it. So. He, well, he did when I when I asked him about it, and I said, "Yeah, you take." He knew that he knew that it was yeah. a difference, but they huh. weren't bringing it up when they were selling. Yeah. <clears throat> and so you might as well not have the differentiator. And what did he do? He matched their price, and that's how he was getting business. Didn't have to. Right. Okay. Uh, so. Um. How do I ask you this question? As you're telling that story, I'm thinking to myself, okay, do you think that every company has a differentiator or are some companies offering the exact same thing? Well, you may or may not. And so if you look at the what you sell part of the equation, yeah. sometimes there aren't meaningful differences around what you sell. Okay. And that leads you to the how you sell side of the equation. And okay. that whole idea of providing meaningful value in a prescriptive way, meaning it's a defined strategy. It's not accidental that you do it. So I'll give you an example. We right. replaced the uh, recessed lighting in my home with LED, right? That's been the trend. It reduces energy sure. costs. And they're supposed to last, what, 10, 15, 20 years? Yeah. Well, the one that was put in my daughter's shower kept burning out. And that's odd. That's not supposed to happen. So the electrician comes in, he takes the bulb out, and he sticks his hand up there, and he goes, oh, Lee, it's, it's all wet up here. And he sticks his head up in my attic. He says, Lee, you have no insulation around any of the hi-hats. Now, Diane, I'm not handy, so I guess a hi-hat is recessed lighting. Oh, okay. He says, you got to get some insulation blown up here. I said, okay. I've never bought insulation in my life. 
I'm not handy. I have no idea how to go about finding this. So I did what most people would do. I went into Google and I found three companies. I don't know why three is always the magic number when you look for a supplier, but three is the number. So the first company I reached out to, took the call, scheduled the appointment, came out, gave me a price. The second one took the call, scheduled the appointment, came out, gave me a price. The third one took the call, scheduled the appointment, sent me an email that said, Lee, I'm guessing you've never purchased insulation before. Here are six questions you want to ask to make an informed decision. See, the extent of my knowledge of insulation is it's pink and it's R something or other. That's the beginning and end of my knowledge around insulation. Yeah. So those other two companies had come out, and I didn't know what to ask them other than, is it pink? Oh, good, it's pink. I'm happy. You know, we, we've got yeah. pink insulation, and it's R something or other. Well, he gave me six questions that I didn't know. I had no clue what conversation to have with these other salespeople. So he sent that ahead of time. Then he comes out, looks around, and he says, so are you planning to take advantage of the uh, rebate from the utility company for the insulation? Rebate? What rebate? He said, Lee, didn't you say you met with two of my competitors already? I said, well, yeah. And they didn't tell you that there's a, get ready for this, Diane, a $500 rebate. Wow. $500. He was the highest price. He got the job because I believed he had expertise that the others did not. Yeah. I don't believe his insulation was any better. It was pink and it was R something or other. That's, there's some standard for that. But the expertise that he demonstrated, number one, he helped me make an informed decision with the questions that he provided. And he demonstrated expertise in helping me take advantage of a rebate that those other two companies, if they didn't know about it, shame on them. If they didn't share right. it with me and they knew about it, again, shame on them. Right. And that's why he got the work. Had nothing to do with what he was selling. I, I'm, he probably was going to the same supplier they were to get the, the uh, right. materials. Wow. That, that is such a great example. You want another one? Sure. So two years ago, we decided to host Thanksgiving. And my wife says, okay. Uh, if we're going to do that, probably a good time to replace the carpeting in the dining room. So we went to Home Depot because they have the most choices, right? Huge store. Yeah. Yeah. Walk in and we're completely overwhelmed by all the choices. And I saw there was a, a clerk by a, a computer terminal. So I went up and I said, hi, my wife and I are here to buy. You hear that, Diana? I didn't say shop. Yeah. Buy yeah. carpeting for our dining room. And big smile comes over and he points left and center and right says, here's all your carpeting choices. Let me know if you have other questions. And he walks away. Ooh. Wow. We walked in there with a credit card on our foreheads. We were there to buy. We walked out having bought nothing and we're now angry and frustrated. Yeah. We were there. We had a purpose. We were there to shop because, you know, when you buy carpeting, there's time that has to arrive and then an installation and the date of Thanksgiving was not moving. So every moment that went by reduced the chance of that carpeting being installed in time for the holidays. Right. So we start driving home 
and we passed the flooring store. And I said, honey, do you, do you want to try again? She rolls her eyes, says, okay, sure. Walk into the flooring store. And again, we're completely overwhelmed by all the choices. But only for a moment. A salesperson walks up to us and says, hi, how can I help you? And we said, we're looking for carpeting for our dining room. And says, dining room, you say, okay, this section over here, not for you. Says, do you have dogs? I said, yes, we have two large dogs. This section over here, not for you. And very quickly, this overwhelming experience became very, very finite and specific. And she helped me buy the carpeting that we needed for our dining room. But here's the punchline. Was their carpeting any better than Home Depot's? No, I don't believe so. Yeah. Was their price better than Home Depot's? Ah, I think I paid a little more, but I didn't care. She helped me buy. I had a, an objective. I needed carpeting for my dining room now. And she helped me achieve that. Had nothing to do with what she was selling. I, it's so interesting. It's so interesting. I, this makes so much sense to me. And I'm thinking about an experience I had, especially with that last example you just gave, where I was in a furniture store and I had seen a um, living room set that I wanted. And I went in and, you know, you get the person, so can I help you, whatever. And I said, yeah, this is what I'm looking for. And, and she said, what is the size of your living room? You know, what is the shape? I tell her, she goes, that won't fit in there. And I'm thinking, you're not just going to sell it to me. <laughs> you're actually going to say to me, that won't fit in your living room. I mean, it was just so great. Yeah. I, I would never go to anybody other than her because her goal was to make sure that I got what I was going to be happy with, that I wasn't going to have something show up at my house and then try and have to figure out how to get it in my living room. And, and I had the opposite experience. We went to a store and my wife wanted to get a leather couch. But again, two large dogs and, you know, our dogs do go on the couch. You know, they're part yeah. of the family. That's kind of our deal. Yeah. And we, we said to the salesperson, you know, are their claws going to ruin this leather? And she and this woman had these long, thick nails. And she starts scratching on the leather and said, no, no, honey, this is going to be fine. See? So we bought the couch. Uh -oh. We had it a week. It was covered uh -oh. in scratches. Uh what did you do? I made them take it back and I got something else. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, wasn't, uh, I, I wasn't asking them if they would. I was telling them they were. <laughs> exactly. And you, I'm assuming you are hesitant to buy from that place again, not yes. just from that person. Yeah. You know, if, if a doctor does something like that, they get charged with malpractice. But in sales, right. we don't have sales malpractice. We should. No, unfortunately. I know. You're right. Yeah. Okay. I want to take a quick sponsor break, and then I, I have a question for you that um, it hits on this same topic. So hang on Go for a it. Sec. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. If you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. 
Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are Built to Sell by John Warlow and The Irresistible Consultant's Guide to Winning Clients by David A. Fields. So visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today we're speaking with Lee Sauls about sales differentiation. So Lee, we were talking about um, Hey Diane, if I could how, interrupt, you, you know what else yeah. is available on Audible? What? Sales differentiation. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> I knew I should have asked you that. I thought maybe it'd come out too soon, but that is so great. So, and I will include that moving forward in that little break. So, thank you for that. Absolutely. Okay. So, we were talking about um, how you sell can, can be a differentiator. And one of the things you say is that people don't know how to buy what a salesperson is selling. And that that, can, that is not only a sales obligation, but a sales opportunity. So, I'm, I'm wondering if you would expand on this whole concept because I think this is really important for the listeners. Yeah, and this is one that uh, it's not front of mind for, for most salespeople. There's a statistic that you probably have heard from Forrester that says 74% of buyers conduct more than half their research online before they talk with a salesperson. Have you heard that one before? Yes. And we and we talk about how, how these educated buyers and they have access to the internet and all of this, right? Yeah. There's a question I've asked salespeople for years all across the country. Who knows more about the world of potential solutions in your industry? You or the people you sell to? Diane, I've never had one person. Not one salesperson ever say, oh, the people I sell to know much more about the world of potential solutions in my industry than I do. Not one. So yeah. we have the statistic that says buyers are doing all this research, but they still don't know how to buy what we're selling. And one of my favorite examples, I ask audiences this one too. I say, raise your hand if you could tell me the difference between a regular apple and an organic apple. And at most I get 10% of the audience that can do it. Dang, this is a product we buy every week and we don't know how to make an informed decision about an apple. You think they know how to buy what you're selling? Good point. So we've got to help buyers make informed decisions. And so, as you mentioned the outset, I see it as both an obligation and an opportunity. I believe that if you're in sales, you have an obligation to help people make informed buying decisions. But that gives you an opportunity to help shape buyer decision criteria. Okay. So, because again, they don't know how to buy what, what you're selling. Now you gotta be careful. Right. Okay. They're not coming to you saying, I don't know how to buy that. Yeah, and so if your approach right. is to walk in and lecture someone on what they don't know, it's going to make for a very short meeting. <laughs> Truly. So the idea is to develop questions. I call them positioning questions. They're open-ended okay. questions. They map back to your differentiators, particularly around what you sell, and help buyers think differently about the solutions they have or could have. So it's Wednesday, and in my neighborhood, Wednesday mornings are very special 
See, because Minnesota is one of the few states in the country where every homeowner and every business contracts for their own trash removal. So on Wednesday mornings, Diane, imagine this. I have a parade of garbage trucks coming down my street representing every hauler you could name because everybody contracts for their own. Wow. Now, each truck seemingly does the same thing. Uh Pulls up to the home, an arm extends from the truck, lifts the can, dumps the contents in the truck, puts it back down, the truck drives away, and you get an invoice at the end of the month. CEO from one of these companies reached out to me, and he said, Lee, I believe we provide meaningful value. I believe we do things differently than our competition, and we should not have to fight over price. So they went through a workshop program with me, and they're right. They had several differentiators, didn't necessarily know how to position them, and that's what we uh, worked on in the workshop. And one of them was they had this truck called the Can Be Clean truck. And they're the only ones in Minnesota with this truck. Twice a year, this truck follows their garbage truck and cleans your garbage cans. Wow, really? Only one, yeah, only ones that offer this, and it's free for their clients. They don't pay extra for it. I shouldn't say free, it's included in their service. Right. So they didn't know how to talk about this differentiator. And these are residential salespeople that are making calls and uh, ringing doorbells. So we developed a positioning question right at, uh, to be asked right at the very first moment after they introduced themselves. And the question was this, when's the last time you had your garbage cans cleaned? Because we know they never have unless they did it themselves. And if you've ever cleaned your garbage cans, you know what a miserable experience that is. Yeah. And that question, right in that first moment, we've helped someone think differently about something as simple as a trash service, not because of something we've said, but rather a question that we've asked helping them think differently about the solutions they have or could have. See, what happens, so if you accept the premise that people don't know how to buy what you sell, there's an issue in the way in which most sales calls are handled. If you, if you ask a salesperson what they're trying to accomplish in that first sales call, they say, I want to find pain or I want to find challenges. Those are the common methodologies you know, that, yeah. that talk about that. Yeah. In other words, the side of the equation that someone perceives could be better or different with an alternative solution. But so often we encounter, we ask these pain questions, and they say, well, no, it's fine. But what if you had the ability that they don't know about to provide, whether it be faster technology or service in a different way that's meaningful to them, etc.? They don't perceive that there's an issue. So if we aren't asking questions on the other side of the equation, this positioning question side, to expose areas that they didn't perceive could be better or different, we walk out of a lot of sales calls with no identified opportunity. Yeah. That, th- this is really, I love this concept. Well, thank you. I am imagining that it's um, sort of can be a landmine because 
if someone picks, I'm going to say, an incorrect positioning question, can they do more harm than than what they're trying to accomplish? Um, yes. Yeah. So in in my book, Sales Differentiation, I lay out a five-step process to profiling differentiators that includes developing a positioning question. So you have to consider, first of all, why does that differentiator even matter? So for example, let's say you've won an award. That's great internally that you know you, you feel great about your company, you won an award. Why does that matter to someone who's considering doing business with you? Yeah. In most cases, it doesn't. Right. So why waste valuable face time talking about something that's meaningless to them? The second uh, step, it, so first is identifying why it matters. Then it's to whom does it matter? So let's pretend we sell copiers for a living. Okay. And, and Diane, this, today's a very exciting day. Why? The R&D department for the last couple of years has been working on this new copier. It's a game changer. And today they announced it's ready. We can start selling it. It's the first one in the world that prints 50 shades of gray. <laughs> first one in the world that can print 50 shades of gray. And tomorrow you have a meeting with a CFO to talk about this new copier. Would you be talking about the 50 shades of gray with that CFO? God, I hope not. Me too, because there's so many reasons, right? But most importantly, CFOs don't care about colors, shades, and hues. They care right. about the financial impact. Yeah. But if that afternoon you're meeting with a marketing director, they're less concerned about financial impact and more interested in a conversation about print quality, you know, the colors, the shades, and the hues. And the following day, if you're meeting with the IT manager to talk about this, uh, this copier, they don't care about the financial impact. They don't care about color, shades, and hues. They care about security. They care about reliability, how it's going to work within their network. Those are three completely different conversations, but what we are selling is the same. At least they need to be three different conversations if we're going to be effective in selling each one of those deals. So we need to figure out when we're talking about a uh, differentiator, is we need to ask ourselves, to whom does this matter? And then under what circumstances, when is it going to matter? So there's information you learn in your research, there's information that is shared with you, and there's information that you might observe while you're on a sales call that says, to you, ah, that, that's, this is really going to resonate here. And then based on those first three steps, you develop these positioning questions. They're always open-ended. Because a close-ended question, as you know, is a yes-no question, and we don't want the conversation to end prematurely. So we want an open-ended question like, when's the last time you had your garbage cans cleaned? So that leads to then a dialogue around this differentiated aspect. So one of the things that I'm hearing, and I hope everyone else is hearing, is that you can't walk into a sales appointment with a completely canned or structured process. You have to be, it has to be a dialogue. You have to be very present in the moment and paying attention to the conversation that you're having, but also the, the environment that you're in because there can be opportunities there that you will miss otherwise. 
I'm actually not saying that at all. I think you should be prescriptive. I think you should have a defined sales call strategy by decision influencer. That's those are the people that I referred to that influence the decision to buy what you sell or not. You should be prescriptive. Okay. Have a defined way that you're going to handle that call. But the nimble part comes in based on who you're meeting with, like with that copier example. Okay. So one of, I love to get crowds going with this. Uh, I'll ask, do you have an elevator pitch? And of course, everyone says, yeah, of course we do. So that's a, one of the biggest mistakes you can make is having an elevator pitch. And I get these odd looks. My issue isn't the concept of an elevator pitch. My issue is the word and in front of it. Think of it, think of it in the singular sense. Ah, yeah. We need to have the right story to position based on the type of person we're meeting with. So. If you yeah. sell to large companies and you also sell to small businesses, your messaging can't be the same for both because yeah. their needs, wants, and desires are different. Okay. Thank you for that. That, that makes perfect sense to me. So what if people are listening and, they, and their prospects buy through RFPs, those requests for proposals, where that those are – seem to be tremendously regimented. How do they yes. go about, you know, d doing sales differentiation when they're faced with an RFP? Yeah, and so <clears throat> that's always a, a fun one, right? If there was any yeah. logic to the English language, RFP would be a four-letter word, not a three-letter word. <laughs> and so when we hear that, that a company buys through an RFP, most of us will just toss in the towel and say, okay, they're going to commoditize us. It's all going to come down to price and we're going to lose. Right. But there are opportunities that we have to still differentiate ourselves in that process. Right. Remember what I said at the beginning, people don't know how to buy what you sell. Yeah. And most of the time when we talk about developing an RFP, they don't even know what questions to include. Just like the story That's I shared sure. before. Right. right. So the yeah. scope winds up being completely different than what their internal client, right? Procurement has an internal client and what they need. But everyone thinks procurement is solely measured on cost reduction. That's right. only part of their scorecard. There's also satisfying the needs of the business. If they keep buying the wrong things, that also is detrimental. So they need our help. So imagine this scenario. You come in and you're, you're talking with one of your decision influencers about whatever it is you sell. And they say, yes, um, this is something that we buy through RFP. And instead of folding up shop and, and leaving, what if you said, have you already written the RFP? And they say, no. Have you ever written one for something like this before? And they say, no. Well, we actually have a tool that our clients find very, very helpful. We've actually developed an RFP template that will help you capture all the important information you need to make an informed buying decision. In other words, what I'm suggesting that listeners do is write an RFP for what you sell as if you were a buyer of it. Hmm. And make it... And it's not just a plain old Word document. Write it so that it's ready to be put on the street. I've done this. I've had some that took it exactly as I provided, 
didn't even change the footer where it says insert your company name here and put it out on the street for bid. <laughs> I've had some pull questions from what I provided and I've had some not use it at all. In all three of those examples, I still differentiated myself. I showed respect for the process. I provided help. I demonstrated expertise, right? All of those happen whether they use what I provided or not. And those are things that differentiated me and what I was selling right up front before the RFP ever hit the street. I was trying to help this procurement person look good in his or her organization while my competitor salespeople look for every way to navigate around them. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. It really is a lot of, about mindset, about approach, how you look at what your role and responsibility is to your prospect. Yes. Wow. And if you look at every interaction you have and say, what can I do that my prospect or decision influencer would find meaningful that my competitors are not doing? and turn that into a strategy to stand out. I mean, look, at some point, if you look at what you have to sell, there's a ceiling. You can only differentiate it so much, right? At yeah. some point, you've exhausted everything you can do. Yeah. And if you're in a larger organization, you can't make it bigger or smaller or rounder or redder or bluer, it just is. And you're faced with a very competitive marketplace and what you have to sell, you can't make changes to it. So look at ways to differentiate how you sell as a key to winning more deals at the prices you want. Yeah. This is really, I mean, I, I so love this concept. And I am so glad that you have joined me to talk about it. And I want to make sure that, that people um, get the book but not only that, know how to get in touch with you. So will you tell them how they can get in touch with you? And then I would like to share with them about how to get your book. Sure. Um, my website is salesarchitects.com. So that's plural. Sales, A-R-C-H-I-T-E-C-T-S.com. And all my contact information is up there as, as is a bunch of resources to help you with sales. Awesome. Thank you. Now, um, what I would like the listeners to know is that if you guys go to salesdifferentiation.com, uh, that's where you can get the book. But not only can you get the book, you can get a bonus program, a 20-week program that will actually help you put the concepts in, into practice. And this is something that we really only offers to his clients like a $1,500 value, and he's offering it on that site to all of you when you get the book. So take advantage of, of this offer. It's huge. It's not only that, you know, you're reading the book, it's that then you're going to get help actually putting these concepts into practice. So, which I, for me, I think it's a huge thing because sometimes we read something and we go, okay, well, sounds good, but I don't know actually how to do it for myself. That is not going to be a problem you're going to have here. Yeah, so, and you can actually uh, 
buy the book wherever you're most comfortable. You could go into a, a brick and mortar like Barnes and Noble. You could go anywhere, um, go to Audible and get it, for example. And, uh-huh. when, you, and when you go to salesdifferentiation.com, you just upload your receipt, fill out the form, and you'll get uh, once a week for the next 20 weeks a an email with a link to a video to help you put these strategies into practice in your organization. And I'm committing to 20 weeks. I'm having such a blast recording these. It'll wind up being more, but you'll guarantee to get 20. That's so great. I, it's such a wonderful offer. Thank you for doing that. And as you folks heard, go get the book where you want to, if you don't want to get it there, but then upload your receipt and you will get access to this wonderful program. Lee, thank you so much for joining me. We could talk about this concept for much longer, but I want people to get the book. So I'm, I'm stopping here so people, you know, still believe they have a reason to go and get the book. Um, so thank you so much. And folks, listeners, thank you. I completely appreciate you as well as our sponsor. If you would like to get a free trial of audible.com and a free audiobook, which, you know, you could get this one. Go to audibletrial.com slash business growth. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. ¿Por qué esta Coca-Cola de McDonald's sabe tan bien? ¿Será la máquina? ¿Será el popote o el hielo? ¿O quizás soy yo? No sé, Diego, pero vámonos, ¿no? El ¿Por qué esto sabe tan bien, deal? Un refresco de cualquier tamaño por un dólar, solo en el one two three dollar menu de McDonald's. Precios y participación pueden variar. No se puede combinar con cualquier otro oferta. Cambo mío, Coca-Cola es una marca registrada de The Coca-Cola Company. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.